Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So honored to be in His presence tonight to praise and to worship Him. Amen. A beautiful song I remember back in the days that we used to sing. So we're together again. Just praising the Lord. We are together again in one accord. So something good is about to happen. Something good is on its way. We're together again. Something good is in store. Thank you. Thank you. Just praising the Lord. Amen. We're so glad to have everyone know Bible study tonight. Our online congregation will welcome you tonight. Amen. A few days after the new year, we get into the new year, moving right along. Amen. I pray, do hope we all had a wonderful time. Amen. So glad to see everyone here tonight. We're going to invite you to stand tonight. We're going to pray and ask the Lord's will to be done in our service tonight. That it will bless us, that it will be with us, that his anointing will be upon the man of God as he come to minister and teach to us tonight. That his will will be done. And for those of us that are here tonight, if there is someone... Uh, with a special request tonight, you can raise your hand. A few hands are going up. You can just look around so the hands that are uh, raised tonight. Amen. Let's just pray for each other tonight as we pray that the Lord's will will be done. Whatever our needs are tonight, we're serving the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we ask or think. Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we pray tonight. Father God, we love you. We thank you for giving us another privilege to be in your presence one more time. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your love. We thank you for being our keeper, for being our shield and our protector. Oh God, you're the one that created us, oh God. And we're so glad, oh God, and so thankful for all the things that you have done for us. Things so undeserved. Oh God, you've been our provider. You've been our keeper. You've been our shield and our protector, Lord God. You are our brightest morning star. You are the fairest of 10,000. You are the one that is and that is to come. You are the great I am. You are the one that we adore. We worship. We honor you. Lord God, we thank you for keeping us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us in your presence tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for every family, Lord God, that is here tonight. We thank you for online congregation tonight, Lord God. We pray and ask you, oh God, that you'll move upon us individually and collectively, Lord. We pray for every hand that raised tonight, Lord God. Whatever the needs are, Lord God, we're touching and agree, Lord God, because we know you're able. Oh God, you're able to do exceedingly, Father God, whatever the needs, if it's spiritually, if it's physically, if it's emotionally or financially, Lord God. We ask your will to be done, not our will, oh God. You say anything we ask believe in your name oh god we are claiming the victory tonight lord god for every person lord god we ask your anointing upon the man of god as he come tonight that your anointing will be upon him lord god that it will minister like never before lord god we ask you to touch our praise and worship team tonight lord god bless every aspect of our service tonight lord god our individual oh god our greeters oh god touch every person in this place those that are on their way lord god i pray and ask you to move among us like never before, oh God. Help us not to forget, 
oh God, who brought us into this world. Help us not to forget all your goodness and all your mercy, Lord God. And Father God, as we worship in this place tonight, we ask you, Lord God, that your spirit will move upon us like never before. As the scripture said, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Father God, we gather together tonight, oh God, in this place to worship you, to praise you, Lord God. And we ask you to pour out your anointing upon every person in this place, Lord God. Let it flow from the man of God all the way down to everyone in the congregation like never before, Lord God. Father God, we give you the glory. We give you all the honor, Lord God. We thank you in advance for what you're about to do, what you're about to do, Lord God, as we're here to worship you, Lord God. The Bible said there is no other name given on heaven among men whereby we must be saved, but through the name of Jesus. Oh God, and as we pray tonight, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that you will move like never before, Lord God. Continue to send us souls, oh God, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south, Lord God. We pray for those, Lord God, that in these war zones, oh God, that going on in our world today, Lord God, we ask that your hands will be upon, oh God, every country, Lord God, and that, oh God, everyone will look to you from whence come at their help. Oh God, we know you are our way maker. We know you are our keeper. We know you are the one that provides for us, Lord God. You are the one that, oh God, make the sun rise and make it go down in the evening. And Father God, as we come to you tonight, we ask you, Lord God, that you will keep us. Oh God, touch all our leaders in our communities, our leaders, oh God, in our countries. Oh God, I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you will give us godly men and godly women in the time that we're living in, oh God. That we realize, oh God, that if it's not been for you, Lord God, oh God, we wouldn't be able to be where we are. And we ask you, Lord God, to continue to keep us, Lord. Have your way among us, oh God. We commit a service in your hand tonight. As we look to you tonight, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And can we just give the Lord a round of applause tonight? Let's worship the Lord with our praise and worship team.
Jesus tonight. try to get outside of, for me, if I try to get outside of what's in my mind and do other things, I'm afraid I will lose all of what's in front of me. So I tend to block everything else. You could be talking to me and I'm not even with you when I got a whole lot of stuff on my brain. And I feel like I've got a whole lot that I need to get through, not just tonight, but for the next few weeks that I need to set the tone and, and get us going in the right direction so we can have a great year of 2024. And the first thing I would like to say to you is I need for you to trust that 
I am standing here because God placed me here. And what I'm saying is not for is not any agenda that I have. I am not trying to do anything other than what I believe God has called me to do. I have one bias in this world. Yes, I love my family, and yes, I love you, but I only have one bias in this world, and my bias is I'm biased to the kingdom of God. And what that means is I will listen to you until you tell me something that goes against the kingdom of God, then I'm done listening. So you might say, what's because I'm biased to the kingdom of God. This is what I'm all about, is about God's kingdom. God left us an assignment when he rose and went to heaven. And he asked us, he commanded us to continue the mission that he died for. And that's what I'm loyal to, the mission that he died for. And I don't know how to do it any other way than just keep on keeping on in doing what he wants us to do. And I will say this. Can I tell you something that God has dropped in my spirit that um, you all may may have seen and heard different things going on in the Internet? But uh, God showed me that the reason why slippage or the reason why um, we can see a little of the world in the church is because the very thing that we like to push back on and think is a burden is why we're seeing it. God put in my heart the other day that the slippage that we're seeing in the church, the, the, the things that we're seeing in the church that we're saying, why is the church allowing the world to get in? You want me to tell you why? Because we have resisted and pushed back on holiness. Holiness is what separates the church from the world. And anytime we don't be strict in being holy sooner or later something is going to hit us hard and we're going to wonder what happened well we started living in a way where you didn't see much difference anymore and so finally unfortunately depending on where the pastor is he's going to think that well we got to this point maybe it's not that of a big deal and before you know it, we're doing things that are not Really, according to God's word, we're doing things that are worldly, but it's all because we don't embrace and enjoy being holy. We carry holiness around like it's a burden. We carry holiness around like, I don't really want to do this, but I guess I have to. And we live for Christ with that kind of mindset as far as us trying to be holy. And anytime we have that kind of mindset, sooner or later, not because you want to sin, not because you want to go from the church, but because you don't want to be holy, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself doing things you didn't think you would do. Things you probably didn't even want to do. But holiness has, it's so much more to holiness than what I dread, what I put on, you know, how I can. It's so much more to it. But we won't trust God that if he says it, whether we get the full meaning, the deepest understanding, that if God says it, I just need to do it and do it with gladness and joy in my heart. We always push back. And it's unfortunate that we are 
almost 10 years in with this church, and I've never backed down on telling you we stand for holiness in every manner of the way, in our conversation, in the way we look, in what we wear. I tell you all the time, we stand for holiness, and we always want to be on borderline or treat holiness like it's no big deal. I'm telling you this, sooner or later, if you don't enjoy and embrace and be just grateful to be holy, sooner or later you're going to find yourself in the world doing worldly things, compromising and telling us it's not that big of a deal anymore. I am guaranteeing you that. And you might say it's, oh, that church and, oh, those people. It's not the people. It's not the church. It's what your God required of you when he went to the cross. That's what he wants from all of us. And so we can say all the comments we want to say online about, man, did you see that? Man, did you hear this? Man, you see what they did? Man, you heard what happened with this one? None of that matters. I am telling you what matters so you don't have to go on the Internet and gossip and talk about nothing. What happened was men of God that's leading churches will not continue to talk about the importance of holiness and the people of God are not embracing the importance of holiness. When you don't do it, you don't realize it, but before you know it, listen, we try to fool ourselves. I'm, I'll tell the leaders this tomorrow. I won't say this over the pulpit, but, but you think what you wear don't matter? When you start dressing a certain way, it gives you certain mindset, certain thinking. And before you know it, you start doing what you didn't think you... But it started with how you dress. Okay, okay dress however you want. It don't make a difference. You're going to be saved. You're going to go to heaven dressing however you want. If that's what you feel, go ahead and do your thing. But I'm here telling you, every time I get up here, and I get a chance to tell you, how you look and what you wear and how you speak and the things you do, it matters. Holiness means separation from the world, consecrated unto God. If the world look at me and they can't tell I'm different from them, I am not being holy. They need to look at me and say, from the face on down. From the, from the countenance in my face, mm, something different about that guy, mm, something different about that girl. And then they start looking like, ooh, they don't have this, ooh, they don't have that, ooh, look what they got on. They need to do that, and we need to, be, we need to embrace that, worrying about what they think of us. Because if we don't do it, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. So let me give you another little bit of insight. We had a great service New Year's Eve. Did, did you see the amount of people that came in here? I started wondering, should I announce about our free breakfast? Because I'm worried, could we feed all of them? But Brother Calvin and his crew was awesome. Awesome. They had it under control. They had so much food, we had to take food to rescue mission. Y'all killed it. But I brought that up to tell you this. Play the games all you want, and you don't understand this. There is coming. I've had dreams about this. 
There is coming a day where there will be so many people walking in this church that you're going to wonder why and where are they coming from. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this church is going to be different than all the churches they've been. Nothing special about us. I'm not no great preacher. But what I will not stop talking about and teaching about and preaching about is being holy. Separated from the world. Consecrated unto God. One God. One faith. One baptism. One Lord and Father. And his name is Jesus. I won't stop talking about it. The evidence of having the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I'm not stopped talking about that. That's biblical. That's the Bible. So I'm not getting up off it. And so... Some of the people that are out there, they're looking. They're, they're going to places because just things happen. And they go visit other places and do other things. And they're realizing, hmm. Uh, because you know why? Unfortunately, I know God called me. So I don't do things to impress people. And unfortunately, some churches, what they're doing is, oh, if I do that, that will draw people. They do. They do. This is not my church. And I'm not saying it just to say it. I am living it that way. This is not my church. I don't have the right to say, oh, if this is drawn, let me do it. No. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. It ain't for me to draw nobody. I can't be coming up with my own rules and doing my own thing to draw people. No. I'm going to lift up Jesus, who is God manifest in flesh. And if he can't draw the crowd, I ain't drawing the crowd. So that's a little glimpse that we've got uh, Sunday night of what God wants to do in this church. I had a young man that grew up in the church that told my wife, he didn't, see, he didn't get a chance to talk to me. There's so many people here um, the other day. But he told my wife, he says, listen, y'all know I grew up in the church. I did my own thing a little bit, moving around, moving around, doing this, doing that. Went to plenty of churches. He says, but one thing I can tell y'all, Brother Wayne ain't never moved off of the right things. And I just know where to come because Brother Wayne ain't moving off of it. This is a young man, probably in his early 30s, my kid's age, my oldest son age. And so he, he said, I am not moving. When I want the right stuff, I'm going right at Christ in the church. But God already showed me that and made me realize, you just keep on preaching my word, son. You just keep on telling the people my word. There will come a time where people will look around and say, they not the real deal. They not the real deal. They seem like they were the real deal, but they not. And they're going to realize this church, I'm sure there's a lot of other churches that's doing the same thing we're doing. This is why it's important to me that we plant more churches. I don't want this to be the only church around here that's doing it. No, it's not just us. I would love for two or three preachers to come out of here the next year or two to go start another church that we can support them, help them to get up to speed, and do the same thing that we're doing here. That's, that's the least I want to see in the next two years. Two or three men of God with some families go across town over here and go over here and start other churches because this is the kingdom of God. This is not my church. Just telling you. 
So I am going to start this year off with teaching you and keep you into growing as a Christian. This is where we're going to go. In every aspect that we can, every situation that we can take advantage of to learn and to grow, that's what we're going to do. Because believe it or not, um, I don't know how many uh, people know this, but the best remedy or the best recipe or the best requisite for a church to grow is for the church to develop leaders. So just think, all the people that came here Sunday night for watch night service, just imagine if they all said, you know what, I want to be a part of that ministry. I want to follow. I want to do right. I need us to all be so good leaders that we all can take segments of those people, teaching them the right things. Because I don't want them coming in here and they think they can do whatever they want as a member of this church. I want them to come in and learn how to come out from among them and be separate. And it takes mature, growing Christians to teach immature people who don't know Christ how to be mature. So that means we have to do whatever we need to do to grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. People, it's only, the only way you don't grow in this church is if you're lazy. We can't be lazy in this church. Listen, a church that's truly being led of God the vision don't come from the man. It comes from God. So when, when, when I say something to you, it's me just being the, the conduit, best word, the conduit to get you the information God wants you to have. And so the bottom line is, I didn't set the, the tone for this church. It wasn't me that says we need to plant some churches. No, God told us that. It wasn't me that said that we need to be holy and righteous and stay in the word so we can make sure the church is, is completely different from the world. It not, it, that's not me. That's a God thing. And so God is setting the, the requirements and the commands and, the, and the, the guidance and direction for this church. Not me. I am not... I don't have the ability to do it. I, I get nervous. I'm, I'm one of those people where I, I am good at leading myself. I am. I know what I want. I know exactly what I want. I know what I like to do. Nobody can tell me nothing about me. I know me. I know what I want to do. And I, can, and I feel pretty confident taking care of me. But to think that I can be the one that's on top trying to lead a whole lot of God's people, like I'm the one that's doing it, that scares me to death. That I would not come here. I would, stay, I would hide from you all if, if, if I ever thought that this was up to me. Can't do it. Now, I know there's other brilliant men of God and women of God that they can just embrace. Oh, let's go because I got this. No, if God's got this, then I'll follow what he's telling me to do. And I know God's got this. So I can't do it. I don't have that in me. I only have how to lead me. That's what I got. I can lead me. But I can't lead all of you without God working through me. 
So I know I'm limited in that area. So you will never catch me trying to make this my stuff. You will never catch me trying to tell you how I want it to be. It's never about me. And that's why I'm asking you, trust what I say and follow what I'm teaching you. And you will see this is all God's doing in your life, ain't mine. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 46. Verse 46 says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Just a quick note there. Jesus wanted you to know, I'm not here to do my own will. You see what I'm trying to get, to, get across to you? Jesus is God in the flesh, but he still wanted you to know, as a man, I'm not doing my own will. I am doing the will of the omniscient, the all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God. Yes, I am he, but he that talked to you now is the man in the flesh. And the man in the flesh must be subjected to the authority that is responsible. So if I take my cue from Jesus, which I am, and he's God in the flesh, guess what? I'm about my father's business. Now, I don't know about your business, but that's my business. And I, and I, and I will say to you, if you are a born-again believer, you too should be about your father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was... Subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you tonight and probably for the next few weeks that growth matters. Growth matters. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You may be seated. A lot of important things that I must say to you tonight. I hope you take some notes and you listen. So I got it. Let me get this out of the way. Sorry to interrupt. Because I know I'm probably not going to remember if I don't do this. Mental health workshop is this Friday and Saturday. 7.30 Friday, 10 a.m. Saturday. There will be no prayer breakfast this Saturday because we just looped everything into Sunday going into Monday. Youth conference next week. Tickets are limited. The availability of tickets are limited. See Brother Hasker. 
All right. Aging. You hear me? Aging is inevitable. But growing is optional. Author unknown. Mm -hmm. So we can't help it. We're going to age. But we can do or not do growing. We can put what we need to put into it or not put into it because it's optional. You don't have to grow. And I must say, there are many people in the church that they got to a, a, a plateau and just stayed right there and haven't grown since they got to that plateau. That's not the will of God. I just read to you about Jesus. My capacity to grow determines my capacity to lead. Mm-hmm. Growth matters. If you're going to make any kind of impact in this world, in life, in church, it's going to be done through leadership. We like to just think that we're going to make impact. People don't listen and follow if you're not leading. So for any impact to be made by you that is significant, you have to do it from a standpoint of leadership. It don't mean you got to be the highest person in charge of any organization. It just means there's a leadership role that you must fulfill in order to have great impact. John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. The church is better when people become better leaders. That's the key thing to any church growing. I'm not talking about having a crowd. We like to talk about the crowd, and, 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 and that's not important. What's important are people being saved, born again, and growing in Christ. A crowd coming in here every week and no change is happening in anybody's life, that's not impressive. That's not good. We ought to see growth. That's what's good because growth will cause impact. Growth will bring about changes. Developing yourself to become the leader you have the potential to be will change everything for you. Many people are talking about in 2024 what they're going to start out doing and the changes they're going to make. Can I tell you, put it all aside and start with growth. If we're not making growth aside from living for God, but that's a part of living for God. If we're not making growth our priority, a lot of what we expect to achieve in 2024, we will not achieve because to achieve what we want is going to require us to grow. Therefore, a life committed to continual personal growth produces results beyond our wildest imagination. Growth. This means a lot to me because it's, it's interesting. I can look at my life, but you need to look at your life. Uh, depending on when you came to the church, when you decide I'm going to go to church and I'm going to give my life to the Lord, how you got to where you got to 
you had to be doing something. You had to be investing in personal growth if you got to any place in God as you was living for God. But if you just came to church and just went to church services and clap your hands, read the scriptures, and tell the preacher, that's a great message, and that's all we do week in and week out, but we don't take the word and apply it to our life and search the scriptures, then we won't grow, and then we will just be a revolving door. And anything that's not growing is going to start dying. It just worked that way. This is why we get to see people in church get frustrated and want to give up. Anyone that's given up in the church, nobody that's thriving in the church decide that I'm done with church. Because if you're thriving, it means you're growing. If you're growing, it means that, you know what, I got so much to do. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When I was in um, the church that came out of... uh, People would have complaints at times about what they didn't like and what they liked. But guess what? It never mattered to me, Brother Ed. You know why? I was always doing something to help people know Christ. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, I hear you. But my focus wasn't just on coming to church services. People who have their focus on just coming to church services, at some point in time, they're going to start complaining about the church services. Because that's not what God intended for your life, to just come to church services and that's it. God intended for you to grow and to be able to do his will outside of the four walls. So if all we do is come to church services week in and week out, sooner or later we're going to start complaining. But if you're doing what God wants you to do, complaint don't get to you. And I remember I was, um, I was in the projects teaching Bible study. I remember I was at Habitat for Humanity teaching Bible studies. I was in the prison teaching Bible studies. I was door knocking on whatever time I was teaching home Bible studies. You think I had time for somebody to tell me, yeah, the word wasn't strong today. I don't care. I need to study to get the next soul, the word of God. So it didn't matter if the word was strong today or the word was just okay today. I had a whole lot going on for God. If you just come to church service and that's all you do, sooner or later you're going to start complaining. Development, expansion, and the future of your leadership depend on your dedication to personal growth. Uh-huh. Most of us has attained educational growth. Mm-hmm. Let me just get that out of the way. Uh-huh. Most of us have attained educational growth through some kind of learning institution. But personal growth for a born-again follower of Jesus Christ is more than just educational growth. We should get a great education. It's essential that we get great education because guess what? We're in a country where we can get the best of education. But that's not enough to say we've grown. Because I know people that are well knowledgeable of many things, but you look at their life and you say, what are you doing with it? Do you know about professional students? I know you probably know about that, Brother Tom. My wife knows about it. But there are professional students. They don't ever want to grow up. 
They graduate college and they go for another degree. They graduate, they get that degree, they go get another one. Because they don't want to grow up and deal with reality. They become professional students. So education don't mean you're growing. It just means you have attained some knowledge. And so you might can go on Jeopardy and do well, but even that you still need some stuff, other stuff. But you might go on some things and do and, and have some knowledge about some things. It does not mean you are growing. The passing of time guarantees that we will get older, but it doesn't guarantee we will get better. We can get old. And we don't get better. This is why they say, what? You can't teach an old fool new tricks. That means you're growing older, but you're not getting any better. Growth guarantees we will get better. We need to place a greater emphasis on growing than we do arriving. We love to arrive at a place. And so while our focus is so, it, oftentimes it's just on where we're trying to get to. When we're just focused on where we're trying to get to, we cannot see what's next to us. We can't see over here. We, we're just focused on, I got to get there. Tonight in my Bible study, I talked about uh, Joseph's life. Can I just tell you this? God is working even when you don't understand how he's working. God is working on your behalf even when you don't know he's working, even when you don't understand how he's working. Every time I have to talk about the Joseph story, I'm just mind boggled about it. God gave Joseph a dream and told Joseph that his parents and his siblings would bow down to him. And as soon as he said that, they sold him. His siblings sold him into slavery because they said, you crazy. We're not doing that. And he went from being sold in slavery to being lied on by his slave master's wife to go into jail. I mean, the boy went through so much. But when you read the Bible, it's telling you all that he's going through. And the Bible keeps saying, but God was with Joseph. And I said, God, how many of us normal folk would be going through all that and believe that you're still with us? Man, we would have been, we would have dumped God a long time. Like, ain't no way God is with me and some woman lying on me that I tried to rape her and some man throw me in jail and I'm in jail now and they treat me like a slave. Ain't no way God with me. That's what we would say. But the Bible clearly shows us how everything Joseph was doing, it just seems like he was just getting in deeper trouble. But the Bible says God was with him. God is for us and God is working on our behalf even when it doesn't look like it. Even when you see things getting from bad to worse and you're wondering, how in the world I'm a Christian and this is happening? We should have enough knowledge of the word of God to know I am a Christian. God do love me and God is working on my behalf. It just look a little crazy right now. It does. I can't understand what he's doing, but guess what? He loves me. He died for me. Oh, he favors me. And so I know he's working on, on my behalf 
no matter what's going on in my life. We have to know that. We can't speculate on that. We can't be guessing that. We have to know that so when we have those situations in our life, it doesn't cause us to shut down. It doesn't cause us to stay away from people. It doesn't cause us to stop going to church. We got to know God loves us. He's for us and he's working on our behalf no matter what it looks like. Personal growth increases hope. Mm -hmm. It it, it does. Because if God takes you from A to B, then he can take you from C to D. Right? So if you start growing, you you should know that, guess what? I've got hope. You know, I know y'all get tired of me probably bringing up what God has done for us here. But the reason why I brought it, bring it up so much, because I'm trying to get you inspired to realize if God can do this, what can he do for us if we stick together and serve him? That's all I'm bringing up for. I'm not bringing it up for any other reason but to inspire us to say, if God can do this for us, what can he do if we stick together and do his will? I am challenging everyone in Christ Center Church in 2024 to grow mentally, socially, spiritually, and in your leadership capacity. I'm challenging you, but this is a challenge from God. What God wants to do in us and through us, he needs us to grow mentally, socially, spiritually, and in our leadership capacity. He needs us to get there so he can shine the spotlight and use us to do the work that he wants to do in this area. If, if we're not where we need to be, God can't do what he has to do in this area. We will just slow down the process and he's going to have to raise up some 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 other person and send them to start and now he got to start them from a different position. It's just we got to realize what God wants and we got to realize that we need to work with the Lord and stop letting the Lord just. We we got to do better. What God wants to use us, and you don't have to worry about it because it's not according to your ability. All He needs from us is faithfulness and obedience. That's really all he needs, faithfulness and obedience. And if we can do that, then God can, we would give him so much glory from how the the things that he would do through us if we will just be faithful and obedient. We read in Luke 2.52 where it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The scripture is silent on the 18, 18 years between this episode of Jesus at age 12 until his baptism at Jordan River. So we read about him from birth to 12. And after age 12, you don't hear too much about him after that. We can assume that what was said of Jesus at this developmental stage was consistently reflected in his life until the launch of his ministry at the River Jordan when he met face-to-face with John the Baptist. As a son, as son of God, Jesus did not need to study the Word of God. 
for he was the word incarnate, right? But as the son of man, Jesus was required to study at the feet of a rabbi. He had to learn a trade at the feet of his father, his stepfather, Joseph, and discover his prophetic birth and destiny at the feet of his mother, Mary. So as a human, he had to do those things. He had to develop. He had to learn. He had to study. He had to have a trade. And that tells us something about what we should be about. If our master came into this world and became human, what did he do? How did he live his life? What did he portray? And when we can see that, we know what we ought to do. It's great to see a great man of God and a great woman of God doing it all good and says, man, they inspire me and I would like to be like them one day. That's wonderful. But let me tell you something. We should always look to Jesus to know exactly what is required of us and what we need to do. Jesus is the measurement. He's the measuring stick. He is the end all be all for what we must be as Christians. All we need to know is that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. (laughs) When we have favor with God, we will certainly have favor with our fellow men. Potiphar, Joseph, slave master, saw the favor of God in Joseph's life. He bought him to be a slave. Go do some work, boy. That's what he bought him for. But Joseph, God was with him. So everything he touched turned to gold. Prosper. And so Potiphar was like, oh, snap. I ain't never had no slave serving me that everything he do just go right, just prosper, doing well. You know what? I'm going to make this guy in charge of my house. Everything. I don't care what. I'm turning everything over to him and let him run the whole show. Because Potiphar saw that Joseph had favor with God. So when you have favor with God, whether people like you or they don't, they're going to come crawling and want to be your friend because they're going to know you got something going on. But we got to realize that it, it don't always It's not always that way in the opposite. Having favor with men don't mean necessarily you have favor with God. And that's why we can never work it that way. We can't work it backwards trying to get everybody's favor and then get God's favor. You can't work it that way. Some of us have worked it that way where we want everybody to applaud us and we want everybody to be happy with us and then we go to God. No sorry buddy. We have to make sure we are pleasing God and receiving his favor and then I'm sure without working hard other men and women and people will say, whoa, you know what? You all right with me? Because when you have favor with God, people will see it and they will want to be around you. It is interesting to think about Jesus growing and increasing in wisdom and favor. This means his growth was obvious and measurable. You heard me talk about that some months ago, that 
Are we measuring our growth or we're just putting in our mind? I'm growing because I go to church all the time. I went on to tell you that isn't it it interesting that in school they measure what you're learning by giving you tests, exams. That's how they know if you are learning what they're teaching. That's how they know if they should send you on to the next year in a higher level. They, they need to know that, and they don't know it by you telling them, I show up to class every day, don't I? Can you imagine telling your professor or your teacher, I show up every day in school, so you should know that I'm growing. No, no, we don't go by that. We know you're growing when you take this exam and what grade you get on this exam. That's how we know you're growing in college and in school, and, and, and that's how we know. Same thing on your job. You're not getting any promotion if we don't see that you're growing. We need evidence, measurables, to see that you are growing before we give you a promotion. But we always treat Jesus worse than how we treat everybody else. We want him to settle with us just telling him, Lord, I'm growing. I don't have to prove nothing to you, Lord, that I'm growing. I'm growing. You know I'm growing. I show up every, every Sunday. I show up every Wednesday. I'm always a part of what's going on. I'm growing, Lord. You don't have to test me on anything. I don't need no trials to come my way. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm growing. That's how we do God. But then we lose our minds studying for our exams to get good grade on the tests. Uh, you know, we, 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 we give our all to the job to make sure that, you know, uh, we're learning stuff so we can show the supervisor or the manager that, you know, we know better and we need to, we need to raise. Somebody just emailed me today and said, I'm just asking a, set, a soft ask um, for a raise. So I, I, <laughs> I responded to the email. And he cc'd a bunch of people on it. I'm like, no, this dude didn't. And so I responded back to his email. I said, hey, when was the last time you got a raise? He said, probably about 2020, 2021. I went and looked. He got a raise in March of 2022. So I hit him back. I said, dude, you got a raise in March of 2022. You know, they don't move as fast on the raises like, you know, you would think. So um, I don't think we can do anything right now. It's barely been a year. It's a year and a half. You know, but, um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not doing nothing like that right now. And so he got quiet. But he sees a whole bunch of people talking about it's a soft ask. <laughs> we, we, we are, we got the words nowadays, a soft ask. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well. <laughs> uh Jesus' mental, social, and spiritual powers developed along with his physical powers. He was fully man as well as fully God. The Greek word translated increase or grew literally means to make one's way forward by chopping down obstacles. A vivid description of the maturation process. In order for us to mature We have to move forward and embrace all of the obstacles and the challenges that comes with moving forward. I've said to you over and over that if you're not being challenged, if 
You are comfortable. You are not growing. You have to put yourselves in uncomfortable situations where you're being challenged to know that you're growing. But nothing that's comfortable is growing. Growth require being uncomfortable. So from 12 to 30, we did not hear much about Jesus' growth. But we can correctly assume that he kept growing mentally, socially, spiritually, and physically. The next time we heard from Jesus after they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors and scholars, uh, hearing them and asking them questions, was in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, where John the Baptist says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I read that, you know, when you're studying different ways and and even in different times, the word hit a little bit different. And you know what was interesting in that passage that I, when I read it, I said, this is interesting. John the Baptist, as they like to say, was foretelling you what Jesus was coming on the scene to do. But think about it from this perspective. The Lord had everything in motion of what will happen and what time it will happen. Are we understanding that? Are we understanding that John the Baptist got the revelation from the Lord that Jesus will come on the scene at a particular time. He will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm just here to baptize you in water in the baptism of repentance. But there's one coming that's greater than me. How can he say that? How he know? How he know that there's one coming that's greater than him? All he can do is trust what God has said to him. And that's why he said it. So let's make this personal. Jesus is telling somebody about you. Oh, God. If you can get this. He told John the Baptist about what Jesus was coming to do. You think he's going to stop there that he only tells John the Baptist about Jesus? No, he's telling somebody about you, that you're coming and you're going to be doing thus and thus. He did it with Ananias and Paul. He sent Paul to Ananias to Paul and told Paul, one name of Ananias is coming. He told it to Peter. He told Peter, guess what? You need to go to Joppa. Or told Cornelius, send men to Joppa to go get one Peter. And when Peter came, he spoke to them. God is telling everybody about what's going on. And he's telling people about you. But if you sit there and you don't grow, guess what? Somebody else is going to take your place. Because God's plan got to work. And God don't fail. In everything that he does, he completes it. So if God is telling somebody about you and you decide you're not going to do it, somebody else will take your place. But you've got to understand, God is telling somebody about you. You don't know probably when it's going to happen, when you're going to show up and be able to deliver what God wants you to deliver, but you just know God is telling you about somebody. He's telling somebody about you. And all of this stuff makes sense to me, church. And this is why I'm so passionate about it. Because 
1996, when I walked through those doors at 3632 Nottingham Way, God had told somebody about me long before I walked through that door. This is what I'm, I'm thinking in my mind. Long before anything, when Sister Jackson gave birth to me, whenever she did, God had told people about me coming on the scene. I did not know. She did not know. Nobody knew. But God knew, and he told people. He's doing it for all of us. So to sit back and not engage in growth so you can be able to be equipped to do what God wants you to do, you're making a big mess. This is why I've always believed that when you abandon God's plan for your life, you abandon your eternal salvation. I've always believed that. I don't think anybody is going to heaven that abandoned their God's plan for their life. Because I believe the plan and your salvation work together. I think they're intertwined. You can't fulfill the you can't fulfill the the plan of God and 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 not be saved if you really go all the way through with it. Not unless you do the Judas move and fulfill it just for um you know for sinful things. But if it's righteous, if you fulfill a righteous plan for God, you will make you will make it to the end. But but just living for God and do nothing, I don't think we get there. I don't think we get there. I think just coming to church, at some point in time, just coming, we're going to say, you know what? This ain't for me. Verse 12 says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. He said all that about Jesus. Verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. John told him what was going to happen. And then here it comes, starting to happen. It's not because John was great. It's because Almighty God has a plan. And his plan is unfolding. But John forbade him saying, I have no need. Well, verse 13, uh, let me read verse 13. Then come Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him saying, I have no need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me. He says, I don't need to baptize you. John knew that Jesus was pure and without sin. He said, I don't need to baptize you. Just seeing him. And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now. For thus it it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So there you go, clear as day. People, I don't know how far people take that whole Jesus got baptized, but Jesus did not need to get baptized, but Jesus was just fulfilling scriptures as it was foretold. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of, the, of God descending like a dove and lightning and, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Please understand this. This is all Jesus functioning as man. He did not circumvent the process of being a man. He didn't just, Jesus wasn't just a man in word only, in name only, in title.
title only. Jesus was really man, and that's why we're having a hard time saying, well, who was God talking to? Well, how is that working? Jesus was showing us what a man is supposed to do and how a man interacts with God. That's all it is. How a man interacts with God was how Jesus lived his life. But we wanted him to live his life as God, no man. That's really why people are getting confused about Jesus being God in the flesh and why they can't get it right when they read scriptures like this. We want Jesus Christ to live as God and not as man. Well, if he had lived as God and not as man, then we wouldn't read any of this. But because he had to be the perfect example and he had to be man in the flesh to have blood that he can shed for us, he had to function like a man. We wanted him to live like a man but circumvent how men are. Men cry, men hunger, men pray. All of the stuff that we do, he was doing. So that's why we're confusing. Well, how is it possible that he can be God? Because he, he prayed. Okay, what man you know is not required to pray? Every man is required to pray. Man, woman, child, whoever you are, if you are breathing and living on this earth, you are required to pray to God. So what was he going to do? Come and not pray? He would be a hypocrite. He can say all he want. I'm God in the flesh, so I don't have to pray. He could have said it all he want. He would have been a hypocrite. And that's what we're struggling with to say, how can he be God and man at the same time? After this occurrence, Jesus then consecrated in the wilderness, fasting and praying. He was then tempted and was victorious in the temptations. After that, he launched his ministry. So in Matthew 4 and 17, the scripture says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. If you're following what I'm telling you and teaching you tonight, Jesus was born as a baby. As an infant, he was being taken care of and nurtured by his mother and his stepfather. Hope you caught that. Stepfather. Because y'all want to believe that he had a perfect family. And y'all wondering, you know, y'all was raised by your stepdad and you're having a problem with it. Jesus had a stepdad. Uh-huh. Something to think about, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was being raised by his mother Mary and his stepdad Joseph. And they raised him up, taught him the word of God, and he was learning in the word of God. He started practicing his, his, his purpose in living and learning. And guess what? He, they, remember they went to um, the feast and, and they started going back home and he stayed back and was teaching. That's when they came back and got him. That's Luke 2.52. We started, you know, 46 through 52 when we read about him saying, did you not know I would be about my father's business? And so he, but still he submitted to his parents when they found him and says, come on, boy, let's go. Probably grab him by the ears. Let's go. You see the whole caravan left and you standing back here. Come on, and grabbed him by the ears, and Jesus, all right, took Jesus home. And he submitted to his parents. 
He stayed there. And I'm sure he was learning and growing. And the next time we heard about him was here with John the Baptist where his ministry is now launched. And so now Jesus is 30, 31. So from birth to 30, 31, he was growing socially. He was growing mentally. He was growing spiritually. And he was growing physically and in his leadership ability. And if Jesus went through all of those steps and process, who do we think we are to just sit back and not make sure we do everything we should to grow according to his will for our life? We need to grow. Growth matters. The church Jesus Christ purchased on the cross and birthed on the day of Pentecost also should reflect the nature of his kingdom. Isaiah prophetically saw that the increase of the kingdom of the Messiah would have no end. Thus, the nature of the kingdom of God is ever-expanding and far-reaching. If we're going to be Christians following Jesus Christ and the kingdom is expanding and far-reaching, what should we be doing? I'm finishing with this. Time is going, and we'll continue on this next week. But it's great to learn things. I was reading some stuff here that John Maxwell wrote. And he said, John Maxwell, I'm not quoting verbatim, but he said this. If we're leading on the stuff that we learned in the past, we're not leading currently. We need the experience and the wisdom from the past. But we need to be current in our leadership. And the only way we can be current in our leadership is if every day we're putting the work in to grow. Let's stand. Growth matters. And I hope I can challenge you enough for you not to get mad, but for you to realize I got to do something about this. I can't just keep coming to church. You've heard me talk about that. That we can't just be people that attend church services. And remember what I told you, church. Don't despise. You know, I don't want you. I want you to realize that it could be the other way around. I could be here telling you what you need to do so this church can be full. And so y'all can give good tithes and offering. And so I can put the money in my pocket. I could be doing that. There's many churches that that's what they're doing. There are churches that the pastor says the tithe belong to him. And so when you give all the offering, you got to understand probably 90% or 85% of all the offering that comes into the church are tithes. And 15% is offering. So if a pastor have decided that all the tithes are his. You think 15% of the given can take care of the church? Good. Many churches are running like that. 
And that's why some churches can exist, exist for 50 years and stay at the same location. That's why churches can exist and you're wondering, where are they going? Because the pastor have decided the tides are mine. And y'all can get mad all y'all want. But that's what God said, the tides are mine. And they take the tithes, which, as I said, tithes will be anywhere between 85 to 90% of your giving. Very small percentage go to offering. You ask the trustees, they know. And so many pastors have done that, and that's how they're living. And I'm saying that only not to criticize anybody, but to say to you, don't misunderstand or overlook that what I'm doing is trying to do what's best for you. Not giving you a hard time. I'm not trying to stir you up to get you mad. I'm just trying to do what God wants for you, which is your very best. God wants to give you. He has given you his very best, and he wants the very best of you. That's all we're trying to get done here. And sometimes I feel like, man, there's been plenty of people that have taken advantage of God's people, and God's people sat there and allow it. And I might come before you, and I'm trying my best to do what I believe is what God wants. And y'all sometimes look at me like, I hear you. That's the best I'm getting, I hear you. We pray and we go out, and all y'all said is, I hear you. But yet, many people have sat under pastors that they just want you to be good Christians. Yeah, Pastor, what's wrong with that? Good Christians mean you just keep coming to church and giving tithes and offering. That's what good Christians do. You're always here and you're always giving. That's what good Christians do. A lot of pastors are good with y'all being good Christians. I'm not good with that. I want you to be the very best that you need to be in God. God have missionaries, people that will go overseas and live and preach his gospel. God has evangelists, people that will go around the country and preach his word. God has prophets and apostles that he wants to use to do great things. God has teachers. God has leaders that he wants to use in a mighty way. You might still be here, but God might want to send you to different places to teach because you're just that great at teaching. God has that... For all of you, he's got things in store for you, and he wants to do it in you or through you. That's what I'm telling you. Now, if you want to, you know, keep your mindset into, hey, I'm just coming to church. That's up to you. But I will do my very best in all that God has called me to do to help you be the very best that God wants you to be. Because God has plans for every one of you. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what, you, what your history is. You can start right now and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I am, I am going to grow so you can do what you have to do in me and through me. Every one of us have the potential to grow and be who God wants us to be. But it's up to us because growth is optional. Aging is not optional, but growth is optional. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help me to continue to minister 
to articulate your word according to your instructions and your purpose for this church. Lord, whatever I do in this church that misrepresents you or is not according to your will, will you check me and help me to correct it? For God, I know I don't have the ability to do anything on my own concerning your church, your kingdom. And so I need you to speak to me. I need you to guide me. I need you to reveal the the depths of the scriptures to me so I can declare it to your people. Will you equip me with wisdom and knowledge and understanding like I've never had to help your people? And I pray, almighty God, that your people will understand how much you love them. That your people will realize, Lord, you have so much invested in them. And that, Lord God, you want to do great things in them and through them. That they will realize how much, Lord God, you care about them and what you have called them to do. I pray that they will trust you like they've never trusted you. I pray that they will obey you like they've never obeyed you. Submit to you like they've never submitted to you. I pray good health and strength upon them. I pray, Lord God, sound mind. That, Lord, they can understand what is being said and that the word will go into their heart and take root and grow and produce good fruit. Will you bless our time of being together tonight and all the Wednesdays that we're going to meet, all the other days that we're going to meet and share in the word of God. We want you to receive the glory. We want your will to be done as we submit to you. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. And for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for your time. Building fun. Basket is in the back. Thank you.